ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. When was the last time you caught a bus? Over 80% of Melburnians live within a five-minute walk of a bus stop. Yet, only one in three consider occasionally travelling by bus. And there are more than 400 bus routes across Melbourne. Most people don't even know where their local bus route goes. So, Infrastructure Victoria wants to know why more of us don't travel by a bus. And you're going to hear more from them in a moment. But I want to hear from you this morning, whether you are in Melbourne or regional Victoria, do you catch buses? What are the pros and cons? And if you're not a bus user, like Walid Ali, what's stopping you? Is it cost? Is it accessibility? Reliability? Do they not run often enough or maybe they don't go where you need them to go? What would it take to get you on a bus? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Yeah, only a third of Melburnians consider catching a bus and Infrastructure Victoria's goal is to get more of us on board. So what would need to change to convince you to take a bus. I'm Bronwyn O'Shea, filling in for Rochelle Hunt this morning and I'd love to hear from you. Pat in Thornbury says, a bus for eight kilometres takes me one hour. Driving takes me 15 minutes, too many stops. And another suggestion here says, put buskers on a bus. Would that get you on board? What a novel idea. Another here says studies have shown that buses induce higher rates of depression than other modes of public transport. Really? interesting. Also, buses are just super annoying on the roads, says this text, particularly with all the new bike paths being installed. Get buses off the roads. Jonathan Spear at Infrastructure Victoria, good morning. Good morning, Bronwyn. Great to be with you. You've been asking thousands of people why they're not catching the bus. What have you found out? Yeah, Bronwyn, we talked to 4,000 Melburnians actually to get their views around, uh, you know, travel on buses and, and the network more generally. And there's really three things that stand out as to why people are not catching the bus as frequently as they might. So one is the frequency of the services. They're having to wait too long between services. The second is a lot of our bus routes are very slow and meandering. They're not very direct. And so that slows down the, the speed of the journey. And the third thing is the price. We, we know from our research that because buses are priced exactly the same way as, as trains and trams are, that they're not as competitive uh, price-wise. You know, you pay nearly $5 to get a bus down to the shops, uh, which is the same price you'd pay to get the train all the way into the city. And so if we can change those three things of, of the frequency of the service, the speed and directness and, and the price, that's what Melbournians tell us they'd like to see change and more of them would be getting on board. So how easy is it to change any or all of those three things, Jonathan? Well, the thing that we see that's important from the research when we talk to these 4,000 people is that, firstly, when it comes to um, frequency, that's a bit related to how far people are willing to travel um, and how much benefit we get. So we know that people are willing to um, walk a little bit further to get to a bus stop 
if it's going to be more frequent and faster. And that means there's an opportunity for us to maybe straighten up a few of our bus routes and make better use of the buses that we've got. We spend about 30% of uh, Melbourne's public transport budget on buses, but only 20% of trips are on buses. So we know there's a gap there and there's a real opportunity then for that more frequent, more direct services that will... Um, really deliver a, a better working public transport system. Would that mean consolidating the services then? So you said that people are prepared to walk further to get a better bus service. Does that mean axing some? We think that there's an opportunity to certainly to straighten up and make some of the bus services more frequent and direct, the existing services. And um, then we can achieve that partly by people walking a little bit further than they currently do, but also making sure that where there's gaps in the network that maybe more on-demand services are available. You might see down, say, in the morning Peninsula, they have the Flicky Ride service where people can call for a bus to come to them uh, where there is not a frequent service, and that makes a better use of the bus system and gives people a better service. Stay with us, Jonathan. Sarah has phoned in from Thornbury. Welcome, Sarah. Oh, hi. Do you catch buses? I don't. Um, I'm actually near a train line, but I would catch it because the trains in my area, the horns are, I would say, comically loud to the point where you can hear them kilometres away and I can actually hear trains from the other line um, as well <laughs> in my in my house. So uh, if there was buses nearby, I would catch them because, you know, I'd, I'd rather catch a bus than have to hear that. I don't, I don't know necessarily that that would mean you'd lose your trains though, Sarah, would it? Um... I'm just saying I'd take buses over 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 trains. Yeah. So is it purely <laughs> yeah, because there's access. not a not a bus stop close enough? Is that why you're not catching? No, buses? that's right. Yeah, yeah. There's no yep. buses near me. Okay, Sarah, thank you for your call. Uh, what is stopping you from catching the bus? That's what we want to talk about this morning as Infrastructure Victoria prepares to release some recommendations before the end of the year on what it would take to get our bus services better utilised. Um, Jonathan, what about uh, the price? You mentioned that there's a suggestion that if, if the fares were priced a little differently and more equitably, that that might encourage um, higher use. Yeah, that's exactly right, Bron. When What we looked at when we surveyed people was the degree to which they'd be more likely to catch the bus. And we went with changes to the fares, and we found that for every dollar cheaper, that makes people about 20% more likely to get the bus. And this is really important, especially for people who are not so well off. We know that the people who tend to be uh, more frequent bus travellers are often people who um, uh, are not high income earners or they might be students as well. And so where there's a real opportunity here for us to make better use of the bus system by lowering bus fares and at the same time be very um, economically and socially progressive to unlock um, more travel choices for people who are not so well off. So we think that that's a big opportunity to to reduce bus fares and get more people on board.
Yeah, and there's actually a text you, you talked about the flexi ride um, idea, and there's a text here that supports that and says, you know, if they were um, a little bit easier and a little bit more flexible, that would be um, a, an opportunity. More 15 seater local buses for the rush hours with a pickup like Uber with an app. So there's one suggestion coming in. Quite a few text messages here, Jonathan, talking about their concerns about safety with buses. So not only safety as far as the bus drivers driving erratically, but also safety on board. Um, a few people saying, uh, you know, control the young people, there are fights, they're shouting, it, it seems quite violent. Has that been raised as a problem? Well, not quite, not quite in that way. So safety was definitely raised by people who responded to our survey, those 4,000 people. Um, mostly they were concerned about safety getting to the bus stop from their home uh, after dark um, or waiting for long periods at the bus stop. And so that's where frequency of service and better information about when the bus is coming becomes important because if you know that um, the bus, you're not going to have to wait too long and you know what time it arrives, that gives someone greater confidence uh, about the safety of their trip. The, the interesting thing is that when you look into the crime statistics, which I have had a look at, there's actually very little crime that occurs on buses and around bus stops. When you look at Victorian crime stats, actually a lot of the crime is in you know, the inner city or around actually some of the train stations. So there is a gap between perception and reality, but the perception is important for people to have confidence. And so um, more modern buses, better bus stops with good lighting and seating and more frequent services seem to be part of the formula to make people a bit more confident about catching the bus. Compared to trains and trams, and f correct me if I'm wrong because I don't live in Melbourne, I live in regional Victoria, but uh, a, a few people have suggested this on text message too, that it's really hard to get an idea of when your bus is going to arrive. There's no real-time updates. Is that a challenge and, and can that be easily and cost-effectively overcome? Yeah, that's absolutely right, and yes, it can. So this came out very strongly in the surveying we did, and when we look around the world at um, effective bus systems, or even in Victoria, some of the bus operators have um, their own uh, ways of giving information that are that are real time updates, and we think that that's important. And what people told us was that's one of the key things they would like to see to give them greater confidence to catch the bus. Um, so that the real-time updates mean that they know when it's coming on. Is that, you know, that terrible feeling we've all had when we don't know if we missed the bus and we don't know where next one is. Uh, and so that level of information is, is something that people really value to have on their phones. Uh, while they'd also kind of like to have some more real-time information at the bus stop, it's really that phone-based information that people tell us would give them greater confidence to travel on the bus. What about bus lanes? I've, I've read quite a lot of um, commentary and analysis that says if you want a better bus service and bus network, you have to have dedicated bus lanes and that way you address some of those issues with delays and unreliability. Is that something that's needed in Melbourne? It's, we, so we currently got only 52 kilometres of dedicated 
bus lanes, so we don't have many, so there might be opportunity to do some more. It depends a bit on where it is, because bus lanes, um, of course, take a lot of traffic out for other users. But when you look around the world, what they, the, the dedicated bus lanes definitely can give a high level of service in areas where they're, especially where they're replacing something like a train service. And so, in, the, in a Melbourne context, if you look at the connection down the Eastern Freeway to Doncaster, uh, that's where we're giving something like a, a dedicated lane and you do certainly get better results. And interestingly, it's the people around Doncaster who are much more likely to use the bus and feel very positive about using buses. So there's, there's certainly a connection. Our work that we're doing currently is going to look in some more detail at where there might be places in Melbourne that are well suited to having dedicated bus lanes. There's a couple of text messages that have asked about whether buses are able to arrive early and still be classed as on time. There's a a text here that says, I live in an area well serviced by bus routes, but I rarely use them. The 606 uh, runs every 40 minutes or even longer during the weekend and stops around 6.30pm. It's very often late, but if it is early, the bus keeps going. I turn up two to three minutes before time to see it disappearing and the other bus services are also infrequent and often run late meaning you miss connections so um, that issue of not only late but also early Jonathan is that something that needs to be addressed or that you've come across to? I certainly have and I can only well I can relate to how frustrating that is when that happens Um, it certainly happened to me before Um, what this um, relates to is what we've certainly heard from people which is when you have more frequent services then that issue about i've missed the bus um, whether 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 it's early or or you are late i've missed the bus and now i've got to wait 40 minutes it doesn't really make it a very viable or competitive transport solution for people so if we can make services more frequent that means that that sort of issue starts to get reduced. And the other point of that message that you've received, of course, is the frequency of the services on weekends and in the evenings. And what we have certainly see is that travel patterns on the weekends do not line up with the bus timetable, that people are travelling you know, as much on Saturdays and Sundays as they are during the week, especially during the day, and yet the... the, the um, lesser running of bus services does not match that so that's an opportunity for us to fix as well as having them run certainly at least a little bit uh, later in the evening than they currently do so there's a real opportunity to line line up bus services with people's real travel behavior CEO of Infrastructure Victoria, Jonathan Spear, is who you're hearing from as they develop some recommendations to go to government on what would improve the use of Melbourne's bus network. Kevin has phoned in from Geelong. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks for uh, letting me have the opportunity to put in a two pennies. Um, one of the things you guy just mentioned there, he, you said he's from Infrastructure Victoria. The biggest problem we've had in Victoria with regard to the buses for as long as I could remember, is that there is no overriding authority. So you've got infrastructure, you've got the Department of Planning, you've got council, you've got a whole bunch of other people that have got a finger in the pie and nobody to take overall responsibility. So they all point at each other when things go wrong. Ah, Kevin, I'll in take Geelong, that back to... Oh, sorry, Geelong, I'll, I'll, I'll take that back to, to Jonathan. Jonathan, what, what about that issue that there's no overarching authority or body? 
I'm not sure that's strictly true with the greatest respect to Kevin um, and we should probably talk about Geelong and some regional buses as well while we're at it mm. but mm. Um, the the Victorian government has a Victorian bus plan and the Department of Transport oversees the bus services uh, there, there might have been different arrangements in the past uh, now I'm from Infrastructure Victoria we're the state's independent infrastructure advisor so we're not the government. We give advice and, and recommendations uh, to the Victorian government and parliament about ways to improve the infrastructure that we have, including the bus network. Um, the Victorian government's got the bus plan that they're seeking to implement, and part of that is about regional areas. And, and what we've certainly found is that um, there's big opportunities to improve regional bus services as well. Uh, and the thing that people tell us is that there's a very low use of public transport in cities like Geelong and Ballarat and Bendigo or Mildura, and that um, similar problems exist there to Melbourne, that there's not frequent enough. Um, they don't take people to the TAFEs, to the schools and to the jobs that they need or connect up with the railway stations in time. So there's big opportunities to make better use of our regional uh, bus services as well. Andrew is in Blackburn. Welcome, Andrew. Hi, good morning. I'm a big rap for the app Ventura Buses uh, have an app. I don't know whether all the, the um, bus companies have the same, but it's excellent for tracking whether the bus has come already or whether I've missed it or whether I need to take an alternate route. Uh, also, I can look at, while I'm on the train, look at what buses are there uh, so I can tee up my train to connect to a couple of bus options so um, knowing what's going on in the network in real time is a great advantage if you're a commuter yeah that's such a great point and we do expect to know don't we that's just how life is now we expect to have that information at our fingertips helen is joining us from nil hello helen oh good morning uh, yes, it's Helen from Nil up in the Wimra, way up yes. there, you know. Yes, do you ever catch, <laughs> I do, Helen, do you ever catch buses? No, well, on the odd occasion I have, we have the interstate buses that come through and they do stop at the each, each of the towns. Uh, they're about midday, then two o'clock, we have another service and, an, oh, we have uh, about four services, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I must agree with Kevin in Geelong there's too many fingers in the pie. We really need up here is a little... I know this is a, it's not the bus, but this is a little train service that comes up our way and back again daily. We do need this because we've got the overland. Then we've got to... If that doesn't run, we've got to catch it at Ararat or somewhere like that or stall. And uh, we, we do need this extra service because um, if I may say with great respect, the overland is an excellent service, but it's the timetable that's the killer up here. Yeah. Because, you know, you've heard me before about this, I'm sure. And people have to stay four nights in a hotel in the city. But up in the bush, that's a lot of money for a lot of people. But if we could have a more regular uh, day train or a day bus, which goes up and back. That's what we need up here. Helen, thank you. And, and you're right. And it's also that connection to um, the, the other parts of the network. Jonathan Spear, CEO Infrastructure Victoria, just quickly, you will soon have some recommendations to go to government. What's going to be top of that list? What do you think needs to happen first and foremost? 
Well, there's certainly those issues I've been talking about already. So the um, the frequency of, of our bus services, um, their directness and their price. Probably the other thing we haven't talked about yet is there's a really big opportunity in our growth areas of our cities, of Melbourne and our regional cities as well, where they residents there don't currently have much of a choice except to use their private car. And we think that that's um, a big opportunity for us to deliver better bus services in those growing areas of our cities. Um, and that really um, allows people to you know, take the bus instead of having the second car um, and give uh, people who don't drive much better public transport options as well. Thanks for joining us. Jonathan Spear, CEO at Infrastructure Victoria. They've spent some time this year looking at why more people don't catch buses and what needs to change to get you on board. I'd love to hear from you as well. Um, What is stopping you from catching the bus and what would you like to see change that would convince you to get on board? This is the Conversation Hour. We are talking about why you're not catching the bus. We have hundreds of bus routes across Melbourne itself and most people live within five minutes walk. So what is stopping you from catching the bus? I'd love to hear from you. Patrick's in Camberwell. Welcome, Patrick. How are you going? Good, mo- good morning. Uh, look, I, I live in Camberwell. I catch the bus along Prospect Hill Road, but the bus stop for Riversdale Station is at the bottom of the hill a fair way below the station. Now, I'm mobility impaired. There is room to put the bus stop on the same contour as the station, and I'd very much appreciate it. Now, if I catch the bus through to Camberwell, I then have the trouble of going up and over the ramp, which is quite steep to enter a Camberwell station. And all it needs is just a bus stop put into the nature strip. There's room for it. It could be made far more accessible. But these sort of things limit people. Absolutely. And, Patrick, there are several texts saying similar things. It's not just about the bus itself. It's about how easy is it to get there, um, especially if you uh, use a wheelchair, you're pushing a pram, if you have mobility issues. Um, so that's definitely something that is a huge barrier for many people. To Q and Michael joins us now. Hello, Michael. Hello, I was going to uh, talk about what Andrew and Blackburn were saying about the app, which is fantastic and truly other other bus services um, don't seem to have it. I use the bus a lot because the train system doesn't allow you to go kind of cross-country in Melbourne you know, without going into, into Richmond or anything like that. But my really big gripe about the system is that hardly anyone pays, um, particularly... Um, young people um, broadly, except for overseas students, seem really good at doing it. Um, but, you know, if, if we had more inspectors doing it, we'd have a lot less hassle on the train. And, and while I guess was talking about um, more, you know, crime in, mm. in, in quote marks isn't great, there's still a lot of idiots on the bus. And just having a presence of some one in authority might not be a bad thing occasionally because they do settle down. You know, you get, uh, you know, people, that, you know, people, they're, they're, they're loud, they're playing loud music, they're being um, difficult um, is a really common problem on the bus because it's a cheap alternative, I guess, and, you know, they mightn't have cars. 
Michael, thank you. Michael in Q there. Ben Lever is the convener of the Ballarat branch of the Public Transport Users Association. Welcome, Ben. Good morning. Why do you think buses aren't better utilised? Yeah, look, it's, it's a lot of the issues that you've uh, kind of gone over already. It's those issues of not being frequent enough, um, often not being direct or quick enough to get to destinations, um, and very often not running late enough into the evenings as well. Um, in terms of the um, one of the issues that, that, that uh, came up a, a minute ago was about the, the buses arriving, you know, passing the stop early. Um, that is seems to me to be driven in large part by there's been a lot of padding added into the timetables in recent years um, to really make sure that um, buses are reaching their sort of designated timing points on time and they're meeting their sort of on-time metrics and things like that. But they've had so much padding in that the buses can actually get there much earlier than they need to. Like, they're, they're planned for an absolute worst-case traffic scenario that doesn't usually materialise. Um, and so tightening up those timetables a bit might go some way to um, avoiding those issues with the bus going past the stop um, before it's supposed to, but also making the trip a lot quicker and a lot more sort of time-competitive with driving. What works? If if you could say, right, this is what our, our bus routes need to look like, what, what would what would they look like? How would you design them? So best practice is to have them um, largely going um, in you know, quite straight lines um, along major arterial roads um, and at high frequencies. Um, and when you do that, um, people might not um, get a one-seat journey to get to their destination. They might have to change between buses. But if the buses are going fast and direct and frequent, so there's a very short wait time between, you can actually have a sort of two-seat journey where you go on one bus and then another bus and still have it be reasonably quick and, and time competitive. Um, so uh, having the, the, those two things together is, is really crucial. It feels as though there needs to be maybe a, a general PR campaign to, to if, if changes are made, to then rebuild people's faith in buses because there's so much negativity coming through on the text message line about, you know, the services taking ages or not turning up when you expect them or drivers driving really erratically. Like, there just seem to be so many troubles across the bus services. Yeah, absolutely. And look, what we've seen is there's been some really um, bright spots where there have been bus reforms that have been in line with best practice and it has um, been advertised well. And then, you know, the numbers of passengers have really gone up. Um, the, the shuttles that go from sort of the nearest train station to university campuses are a good example of that. Mm -hmm. um, but by the same token, there was one of those that was launched um, to the University of Melbourne um, a couple of years ago that you know, did all of a lot of the best practice things in terms of frequency, but then they just didn't really advertise it, um, and it has performed much less well. So there's, there is a real need to, you know, not only do these improvements, but to really communicate them clearly to the travelling public and not just existing bus users, of course, but to the people who are in their cars and who could be getting the bus as well. Yeah, there's a text that says, um, please ask that bus stops could have prominent stop numbers like trams. I wonder if just in general people's awareness of what's near them and where those buses go is, is really lacking too. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think this is sort of one of the contrasts between uh, buses and trams, for example. You know, if you've got a tram stop near you, you can see the, the metal rails in the road. You can see where that's going, basically. But with a bus stop, you know, that bus could be going anywhere. It could be continuing straight down the road or it could be turning the next corner. Um, so better information and, and things like maps at bus stops, I think, could be very handy as well. Yeah, Ben Lever, thank you. Convener of the Ballarat branch of the Public Transport Users Association. Jenny has phoned in to the conversation now from St Leonard's. Welcome, Jenny. Good morning. How are you? Um, I just have a, a 
I travel, I don't drive now, um, but I need the bus and it takes me almost three hours to get from, um, to drive, uh, to bus it from St Leonard's to Drysdale. And it used to take me 25 minutes by car. Yeah, so it's pretty hard to compete on those figures, isn't it? It, it yes, exactly, and it's um, it's just um, and I'll add, add another um, there's no uh, bus from Drysdale to um, Ocean Grove, so it's like going into Geelong and coming out again. Yeah, and it so would be a great improvement, but if something could be done there. Yep, good on you, Jenny. Thank you. Danny is in stall. Hi, Danny. Hello. What did you want to say? Oh, hi. Um, I often catch a bus because they're often uh, up here instead of a, a train. But um, if the buses had bike racks on like they have in Canberra or when I've visited Colorado and other places around the world, if there's bike racks on the front, uh, I think that would be a good thing. If I'm using a V-line bus then I have to have a bag to put my bicycle in, just put it under the under the thing. Then when you get somewhere, you've got to carry a bag with you while you're riding your bike around the, your destination. Do you, Danny, do you have one of those nifty foldable bikes? Yes, I do. Ah, okay. So bike rack is, is one thing you'd like to see. That's good to add to the list. Thank you so much. This is the Conversation Hour. Bromwell O'Shea here with you for the conversation hour today, filling in for Rochelle Hunt, wanting to know why don't more of us catch buses because the stats show that only a third of Melburnians even consider using a bus. And I want to know what's stopping you and what would change, what would need to change to get you on board a bus. Hello, Anne. Hello. I live in Belmaris, opposite a bus stop. I would use a bus, but they have had some nasty falls when, because there's nothing for short people to hang on to when they're getting to their seat. And the bus driver, if there are a lot of people getting to their seats, doesn't always wait till everybody's seated. Uh-huh. And I've had numbers of people in the Provost Club I'm in who don't like outings on public transport unless they're by train because of the difficulty getting safely to their seat when they're short. And the same applies with children. And that is a great point. And I know that the Disability Resources Centre has launched a Transport for All campaign. It says buses are not reliably and independently accessible to everyone everywhere across the state. Damo Crook is someone who can vouch for that. I spoke to Damo a little earlier about his experiences. My experience overall has been pretty um, poor. Uh, So... I have back issues and um, I've also got ASD. So um, trying to navigate the public transport system as it is, is kind of um, difficult, let alone having some back issues, making mobility quite difficult and bus drivers uh, refusing to um, assist in easing that mobility issue. So, Damo, when you say bus drivers don't help, what what obstacles have you come up against? So, um, me personally, um, when I'm having major pain days, um, I find it very difficult to get up steps. So, sometimes I ask for the bus driver to lower the bus just so then I can walk straight on instead of stepping up onto the bus. 
and um, also I try and find seating. Um, and usually, if there's someone in the priority seating that um, can stand or appears to be able to be, be be able to stand, I usually ask them if I can have a seat because I've got mobility issues. And sometimes the bus driver just cracks it with me and either tells me to get off the bus or tells me to stand because I'm a young male with rubbish issues. Hmm. So, Damo, do you catch buses anymore? No, I don't. So, given the, the mobility issues and the safety issues of buses today, um, I re- absolutely refuse to use them. So, what would change things for you? I think for me, driver awareness, community awareness around the invisible disabilities, and for safety-based issues, I think having either PTV officers or PSOs on buses or even at bus stops would help dramatically and I think I'd feel more comfortable um, being independent and catching the bus again. Mm. Not being able to catch the bus, what's that mean for your life? What impact is it having? Um, It's having a very dramatic impact. So at the moment, um, I can't see friends unless they come to see me. Um, I'm reliant on family to get to and from medical appointments and other appointments that I need to do. Um, it's also taken a bit, my pocket's also taken a very big hit because I can't go out to the shops and get my food and that's about it. So Damo, what about even, not the bus itself, but even getting to and from the bus and waiting for the bus? What's that like? That is quite difficult as well so where i live buses run every um every hour on the hour so even just getting to the bus stop and waiting for the bus is quite difficult so um around may we don't have anywhere sheltered or anywhere to sit so we're stuck in the weather and uh, we're stuck standing so most of the time um I've got to wait until there's about three to four minutes before the bus comes to um, hopefully catch the bus and hope that the bus wasn't early and miss me bus or um, I just have to sit on the gutter and hope to God that a car doesn't hit me. Damo Crook there talking about the challenges that have put him off catching buses altogether. Andrew Bretherton uses a wheelchair. Hi, Andrew. Oh, g'day. How easy is it catching buses when you're a wheelchair user? Uh, not that easy. My my issue is more it's um, getting to the bus stop. And um, because a lot of the pavers or walkways and whatever are usually like uh, fall hazards for wheelchair users. So like you'll bump into a lip and you'll almost fall out of your chair. Um and a lot of the times that they have bus replacements in Melbourne for trains and stuff when they catch the train, but a lot of the times they make the bus replacement a coach, which has steps, and you obviously can't get up steps in a wheelchair. Mm. Um, and then you're relying on, you know, the taxi service that they provide you, but uh, one three cabs is really bad at... Um, picking up wheelchair users, especially on heavy traffic days when public transport's out. So you're often left stranded on the sidewalk. Yeah. 
do you catch buses anymore? Um, I generally try to get the train. Um, when I do catch buses, it's not in Melbourne. It's generally interstate, like when I go home to visit my family in Newcastle or my partner in Queensland, and they're generally pretty good. They're more reliable, more on time. Um, they have covers and the pathways are accessible. Melbourne is kind of missing a lot of that. <laughs> Um, yeah, and and I mean that has a huge impact, Andrew, doesn't it? If you can't get safely to a bus stop, no matter what you do with the bus itself or where it goes or how often it comes, if you literally cannot get there, it's useless. Yeah, pretty much. And the other thing is, is you're having to make more um, changeovers when you take the bus. So, like Chadston Shopping Centre, for example, has a really good setup where you can get on multiple buses, but we don't really have that in the city so much or near the city so if i'm wanting to go to a different area i'm having to change to like three or five different buses to get there rather than just going to an interchange and changing over like i would for a train or um at a junction center Andrew, thank you so much for raising some of those issues. Andrew Bretherton there. As we talk about what is stopping more people from catching the bus, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Liz has called from Warrnambool. Welcome, Liz. Hello, Liz. Hi. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, from Warrnambool, uh, where do you get a timetable and uh, information of the route uh, for the buses? I've been trying for years to find that out. Oh. And also, distances between stops was increased uh, a while back, which is a bit too far for the elderly and the disabled. And um, I just, uh, I'm near St. John of God Hospital, and it, it appears that if I want to go to town, which is probably about three and a half blocks away, um, I have to go way out to Kmart, which is a very long distance, and before coming back to town. Mm. Um, Liz, it uh, all comes back, doesn't it, to that them being indirect and not frequent enough and just not really meeting people's needs and expectations. Liz, thank you. Um, Eva is in Williamstown. Welcome, Eva. Do you catch buses, Eva? Yes, I do catch a bus and especially I would like to say that for last six years I have to use a walker and I don't have and mainly why I rang up I would like to say thank you to all the bus drivers on a line to Footscray and Sunshine there is they so helpful they offload my wheel my walker they offload my shopping and really, I just think that somebody should say something positive because 99 and 9% of bus drivers are very helpful. Oh, Eva, it's great to hear you're having good experiences. And, you know, wouldn't it be nice if, if everybody was having such positive experiences as well? John is in Point Lonsdale. Hello to you, John. Oh, hi, Bronwyn. Uh, actually, we live in Point Lonsdale, but we're away at the moment. But. Uh, ah. Um, I just want to make the point that we have to make occasional trips to Melbourne and the, the regional bus service is pretty good. Um, you can go go from Point Lionsville, Queenscliff and into the station 
uh, go up to Melbourne, have medical appointments or see family. But the problem is if you stay beyond about 7 o'clock in Melbourne, get back to Geelong Station about 8 o'clock, I think there's only one, this from memory, only one bus after 8. So it really limits your day in Melbourne. And um, oh, it, uh, and there's a growing population on the Bellarine Peninsula. I think if they could run buses a bit later from the Geelong Station and publicise it, people would use that a lot more combining with the train to go up and back because uh, driving up the Geelong Road to Melbourne now there's a wall of traffic and it's I find it pretty horrendous so um, yeah. if the gentleman was it Stephen who was there before um, uh, your guest earlier uh, uh, the, the very first guest was Jonathan from Infrastructure Victoria is that yeah, what you're thinking of? Yeah, yeah. I mean, ma- maybe look at uh, having slightly later evening connections from the bus station back to the regional uh, centres, you know, your St Leonard's and Ocean Grove and Queenscliff and so on, so people can utilise the, um, the, the the bus and train connection to Melbourne mm. rather than John, just drive. Great point. Thank you, John, who lives in Point Lonsdale. Riz Akhtar is chair of the Australian Electric Vehicle Association, uh, Victorian branch and a member of the AEVA National Council. Hi, Riz. Hi, Bonman. Nice We've to had be a here. A lot of text messages from people saying the fumes, the stench from the diesel. I can't handle that about buses. How far off getting more electric buses are we? Um, in Victoria, we have just started trialling a few electric buses. Uh, the state governments mentioned that they will have by early 2024 27 of them uh, in the northern suburbs of Melbourne but with the aim to eventually get rid of most of the diesel buses, which is about 4,000 of them in the, in the coming decades. Do you think having more electric buses in the network would actually attract more users? I personally think so, because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of issues around pollution in our cities and buses in general are noisier not the most pleasant uh, vehicles to be around at you know bus depots and other locations where people get on and off the vehicles Um, so yes having electric buses that are quieter um, better for the environment don't make as much noise and actually quite smooth to have a ride on um, will definitely attract more people to use public transport such as we already do with our train network that's electrified across Melbourne. How are Victoria's existing electric buses performing so far? Um, from what we can gather, they're, they're all in trials at the moment. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there's about 27 of them that will be on the road by um, early 2024. Um, in, in, in my humble opinion, I think we could be doing a lot more. Um, you know, cities like Sydney and Brisbane, uh, they are quite a bit ahead of where we are when it comes to electrifying our bus fleet. Um, are they cheaper and, to run, Riz? Uh, they're definitely cheaper to run. Uh, they, they cost, you know, um, a little bit more. Well, some of them cost as much as twice as much of a diesel bus, but they are much cheaper to operate um, and, you know, the diesel bills that a lot of the bus operators and the, and the governments are forking out today 
um, are significantly higher than it would be to run electric buses off renewables, solar and other electricity sources. You do need to then have the infrastructure to be able to have those charging points and, you know, it it requires a different level of infrastructure. So how much work has to be done behind the scenes to be able to then get more electric buses on our roads? Um, Quite a considerable amount of work because, you know, these buses have large electric batteries. Um, They need to be charged efficiently, fairly quickly in some cases, otherwise overnight when they're not operating on routes. Um, so all of those problems are being managed by many different city and government authorities across the world. Um, take London, for example, Transport for London runs, um, you know, hundreds of buses um, on a daily, you know, on a daily rate when it comes to electric vehicles. And they have a plan to electrify up to 1,000 buses a year for the next seven years until 2030. And they're building the infrastructure like those charging points at depots as well as in public locations so that these buses can charge when they're either on the go or when when they're sort of parked up at night. So in Victoria, there's a lot more that needs to happen. And I think we should be well past the trial stage which we are at today. Mm. The the quiet aspect of electric vehicles, electric buses, I can see how that could be quite attractive. But does that come then with some safety concerns and implications? Um, sometimes um, that is the case. So electric vehicles are quieter, but there is technologies available where um, those elect- quieter electric vehicles do make an artificial humming noise, which, you know... Um, it creates the awareness that they are around, especially mm-hmm. around people and locations like bus stops and other places when the bus is not traveling very fast, um, just so people are aware that they are around. So that technology has been there for um, quite a long period of time, particularly with passenger cars, but likewise with buses as well. So they are quieter, they're better for the cities, and in in at times when they need to make a little bit of noise, that technology is already integrated into these buses. Riz, sounds like there's plenty more that you'd like to see done to um, electrify our bus network. Riz Akhtar, thank you. Chair of the Australian Electric Vehicle Association Victorian Branch and a member of the AEVA National Council. Let's go to Ian, who's phoned in from Ocean Grove. Ian, do you catch the bus? Uh, no, I don't, but uh, I know uh, we uh, have grandchildren that do and have in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, been listening to uh, the concerns on the Ballerine. Uh, to go from Ocean Grove to Drysdale, for instance, you have to travel through Geelong and come back. But that's the issue I was ringing up about was um, listening to that, but it's, it's bus shelters. They used to have bus shelters, now they have bus stops. But you have children that are catching the bus for school on the Ballerine. You have elderly folk that have got to stand out there in all types of weather, particularly over the winter time. Uh, there's no seating, there's no shelters for anybody, you know. Uh, I think that's something that sh- sh- could be looked at. You know, I know there's going to be a cost about these things, but at the end of the day, people are uh, got to sit out there and wait for buses to come. Yeah, and um, I can totally no, see no. how that would be a deterrent, Ian. If you don't have somewhere sheltered and safe to wait, it's going to put you off catching the bus in the first place, isn't it? I think so. You know, even just a bus stop around the corner from our house, uh, people sit on a um, 
a log fence, you know, like it's a reserve and there's um, mm. treated pine, you know, they sit on there waiting for the bus and that's all that's all types of weather, you know, maybe hot, but particularly when it's cold and it's been wet, you know, uh, those sort of things are a bit of an yeah. issue, you know. That's no way to start your public transport journey, is it? Ian, thank you so much for phoning in. Uh, Richard, hello there. Hello. Hello, what did you want to say? Oh, yeah, um, two things. One is who decides where the buses go. Um, Monash University got a, a, a bus service running between their main campus and the nearest station. Uh, we had too much difficulty, but it doesn't work for, for the trove. There's no direct bus. Pizza trains at uh, McLeod Station. And the, um, the big library, sports and school and uh, council offices complex uh, in Greensboro, uh, you can't get to except by car. There is no uh, there is no bus that goes into that complex at all. Mm. Um, uh, and, and so uh, you sort of wonder who's doing the planning. Has the planning come from, uh, from or has it come from uh, Latrobe University? or from the council, or from the, um, uh, from the school, or is it from the, uh, uh, from the, bus, uh, the bus companies? Who makes those decisions? Yeah, great question. And who, who should be as well? Who should be consulted on where the buses go and, and how frequently? Trent is phoning in from Glen Iris this morning. Hello, Trent. Oh, hi, it's Trent. actually Frank. It's Frank. Oh, hi, hi Frank. How are you? Good, thanks. What did you want to say? Yeah, look, I'd like to be able to catch public trains um, going into country Victoria and, you know, use a bike, for instance. Um, but in this, what invariably happens is a lot of the time, due to maybe vandalism or they do a bus replacement for other reasons, you can't get your bike on. So mm. basically, I'm, I don't use it um, on that basis. If it was bike rack or something like on a, on a bus or some other solution of getting your bike at that point, uh, I could go do that, but otherwise I've got to use my car really uh, where I've got my own bike rack, but I'd like to come use the public transport. Yep, bike racks have come up time and time again this hour. Frank, thank you so much for putting it on the list. Frank in Glen Iris there. Mike is in Watsonia. Hello there, Mike. Yeah, hi, Bronwyn. Uh, I'd just like to give a shout out to our local bus company. We have um, overseas students that stay with us quite often, and uh, the uh, bus goes straight well, to the uh, local university and um, the bus drivers are fantastic with the students because they, they get a little bit worried and confused because they think they're going to go to the wrong place but the bus driver always helps us out I, I reckon it's a great service we use it sometimes too that's good, Mike. It's good to hear that there are, you know, some routes and some, some drivers who are doing a great job of getting more people on the bus and a great experience while they're on there too. We are talking about what is stopping so many people from using the bus. Infrastructure Victoria has been consulting with the public and reviewing what's there and will provide some recommendations to government before the end of the year thank you so much for all your thoughts and your calls this morning um tomorrow we're going to talk about dementia and how we can better care for the carers i'll speak to you then have a great day